everybody. Hope that wherever you're at, things are good. Thanks for listening. So glad that you've joined us. We're going to start off with an update. This podcast was created to be a place that's between the printing of pages. This is where we interview the authors of pages and learn a little bit more about the articles that they wrote and hopefully a little bit more about them. And when we were doing our social push earlier in the year, our managing editor, Sloan, made a tagline called Between the Pages. And when I read that, when I saw that going out in our social feeds, I just thought to myself, we have our new name. Pages podcast, you know, that's all right. It's pretty generic. But Between the Pages better represents what this podcast is all about. Both because we're in between the print editions of our magazine. That makes sense. But it's also insights to our authors that contribute to our magazine each month that we print it. So starting now, we're renaming this podcast to Between the Pages. I hope you like it. That's our update. So by now, you should have received our Q1 of 2019 pages. If not, keep checking your mailbox. And if you have, hey, hats off to the cover on this one. I, and I love our covers. Our covers are awesome. But AJ, our graphic design artist, just killed it on this issue. Really stoked about this one. The design is on point. And I thought that since this was just such a great issue, I, I was so in love with the design. I thought, hey, let's interview AJ. Let's talk to him. So at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk to AJ, our graphic designer, about the process he goes through making the magazine and how he goes through his creative process in the design. We get so much feedback on the design. People love what we've done. The ability to take these articles that are technical, sometimes can be dry if you're not used to the, the information, and he brings it alive. It pops off the page. It's so beautiful, so fun to read, and that's all AJ. So we're going to talk to him at the end of our interview. Uh, it's going to be great. So stay through the end. Hear what AJ has to say, hopefully uh, get some insight into the background of the creation of pages. Our interview for today is Joelle Irvin. She is the Director of Marketing and Growth at Bookmark Content and Communications. You can read the article that she wrote in our Q1 issue of 2019, and she writes about optimizing your content strategy for 2019. Joelle has a degree in biology, of all things. But she also has a background in graphic design, project management, marketing, and design thinking. She started her career as a graphic and web designer. And then she took a role at Bookmark Content Communications as the director of production, where she oversaw project management and vendor relationships. Joelle wears many hats. She leads Bookmark's global marketing strategy and execution through content marketing, SEO, and promotion to increase visibility and growth. She works with potential clients to understand their needs and provide recommended solutions, while also providing expertise on inbound marketing and SEO internally for their clients. I'm excited to talk to her. Let's jump right in. I want to get into this piece that uh, you wrote for Pages. Right out of the gate, in your article, which is called Audience and Algorithms, How to Optimize Your Content Strategy for 2019, you start out by making this point that I agree with, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. Number one, you, you make the point that uh, there's an abundance of content. Two, uh, we don't read it all. Uh, and three, it's really not all that good. 
which are all points that that I agree with. We're inundated with content everywhere we go. And I always find it the fascinating, the study of how many people actually uh, read content versus just read the title of the, the content and then share it and, and the differences within that. And with all the noise out there with content, and, and it just kind of is the buzz buzzword out there, you know, do content, do content. From your perspective, how can content stand out from all that noise? If there's so much out there and people aren't reading it and the stuff isn't that good, where does someone who is in a role like this that's trying to create content for their website, useful, helpful information, how do they stand out? So that's a complex question. I think the main thing is to write about what you know or hire an expert. Um, Authenticity is huge. When your audience knows that you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, they'll smell it. They'll know. So Mm. my advice would be don't try and fake it. And content should serve a purpose. You should Mm. be saying something new, insightful, tell a personal story, answer a question, solve a problem, etc. But Like writing your 800th how-to article is probably not the best way to go about it. Yeah. Try and find a new way of doing things. You know, maybe, maybe it's making a video, maybe it's creating like a microsite or, you know, doing some some sort of series on social media. You know, it's, it's about creating content for your audience where they live. One thing I want to get to here in a second that is about, you know, where do you begin? How do you know what to write about? How to do the research? And, and we'll, I'll ask you here in a little bit about that investigation curation component. But I want to come back a little bit about the types of content you create. What I see a lot of is a lot of websites focus on content that's there for conversion. Right. Uh, so you, you get a lot of CTAs, you get a lot of sign up here, click here, buy here within their content. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the value of what I think maybe you're talking about and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe that kind of top funnel content, that, that more general content. Talk to me about, is there like an investment of percentage of content that you should be thinking about when you're, when you're creating content, you know, and understanding those channels, like what is this content meant to do? Is it there to inform? Is it there to entice a decision? You know, is it there to convert? And how do you wrangle those different forms of content? So it depends on, on the objectives of the brand. You know, it also depends on where, where your brand is in terms of uh, brand awareness. So Mm. for example, if you're at the early stages, you want to create a lot of awareness content. You want, okay. you want to make sure people know who you are. You want to make sure you distribute it. You know, there's that rule of, you know, 20% of your time is spent on creating content and 80% is on distributing it. I think that may, may be a bit of an exaggeration, but I think it's really important to think about distribution channels. I also think that if you only create awareness content, then you may not ever get to the point where you're having a conversation with somebody to do business. So yeah. there, there's a fine balance of, I'd say the mo- the bulk of the content should be awareness and you should have really amazing, let's say bottom of the funnel pieces sort of staggered within those awareness pieces. You, you don't want to constantly look like you're trying to make a sale because right. people will people will view that as, as promotional content and you don't want to, you don't really want to go there. One thing I find when talking to people is the struggle to convince 
brands that awareness content is worth their time. Maybe, maybe some of the, the, there's a lot of brands out there that do it well, but for the masses, I think there's a struggle to say why for a content team, an SEO that's trying to say, Hey, we need some more awareness content to drive more visibility and a team going, well, why would we create this? Like, how is that driving business? Um, how would you coach counsel someone who's struggling with like, I, it's hard for me to get buy-in to do awareness content because it's hard to communicate the value of how that's actually helping the business. And so companies are looking at, you know, bandwidth and and priorities. And and so they tend to emphasize the mid to the low funnel content on websites and, and they almost ignore awareness content, or at least it's a, it's a side thing that they'll get to when they get to it. How would you coach someone that's in in-house trying to to bring that awareness content to the top of the mind of those doing the content? Awareness content is really there to build awareness, for engagement, for loyalty, uh, to build trust relationships. You really want to get people to know who your brand is, what it stands for, how they can help you along the way. And it's way easier to make that sale later on once you already have that trust relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. for the it's for the long game. Are there road signs that you might point to to know that you're on the right path? Is it social? Is it you know where where does that live? It lives it lives a little bit everywhere. Uh, increased traffic to your site, time spent on page, uh, reduced bounce rates, also engagement metrics, social sharing, and even once you actually start seeing people starting conversations about your brand or uh, providing reviews, that's when you you really see it working for you because they're creating content for mm-hmm. you. For someone who is in this place of they know they want to create content, they want to create content that stands out. So they're in this investigation, like, you know, what do I write about? And then the actual curation, are there tools that that you use or that you're familiar with that can help someone that's uh, starting out on this journey? Yes, definitely. So I would say there are many free tools you can use. Uh, Google has a full suite of them. You might want to start with Google Trends. You can see Mm. what people are searching for over time. It's a great place to start. There's also Think with Google that has lots of stats and trends that could be useful when you're trying to reference things in in your content. Mm-hmm. The Google Search Console is amazing because you can see what people are searching for before they even come to your site. And we also use, uh, we look at what people also search for, related searches, Q&As from Google My Business. And as a paid tool, we'll use uh, BuzzSumo. Mm, um, yeah, love BuzzSumo. Yeah, it's such a great tool. It's great because you can actually see what conversations are happening, how much engagement there are on certain topics, and it can help you figure out what your next piece of content will be. Right. So that informs you in the sense that I think I want to write about this topic. I can look and investigate uh, with trends or BuzzSumo to, to see, is this actually worth my time writing about based off of the engagement that is out there, the searches or the, the social shares on a topic? Exactly. Yeah. No, I think those are some really, really great tools. And I appreciate you uh, talking about this because, you know, as you pointed out, uh, again, there's a lot of content being produced. Uh, not all of it's good and not all of it's useful. And so we need to be intentional with, with what we're doing online to really try to stand out, right? So... So in your article, 
you you kind of move into this how to adapt your content strategy to address um, this new reality that we're living in. Yeah. And you list out five tactics that uh, someone can do to then continue to create content given this new reality of Google emphasizing quality content on the web. I'm not going to go through all five. Really encourage you to to subscribe to our magazine and this article uh, will go live on pagesseomagazine.com for those who can't get the the magazine. Um, and we encourage you to check it out. It's fantastic. I really do want to hone in on one specific point that, well, actually two points that you make that I think would be relevant to our listeners. The first two points you make, and I'm I'm going to bring them together, and then and I'll ask some some questions about this. Uh, you, you say number one, you need to write for humans. Number two, you need to optimize for machines. So that's you know two of the the five points that you make there. And I find this a a fascinating conversation because there's this striking the balance between these two things can be difficult, and it's not difficult in its execution, but that most companies compartmentalize these groups in their marketing channels. So you have a content team that is just, you know, pumping out content and they tend to look through the lens of the human. And then you have the SEO that's there looking at the content and they tend to optimize for the machine. And you go into great detail about these two, these two points that I love and, and tips and things to think about. But I think the challenges for, for most people is that this isn't one hat that most organizations wear. These are actually two hats. And so what happens is that you have the optimizer trying to go, hey, we need to consider this. And you have the content person going, well, I'm, you know, I'm writing for this human being. And there, there becomes this tension that exists. And so I'd like to focus in for a little bit about what are ways that we can bridge this gap? So the first thing I'd say is we need to break silos. And the best way to do that is communication, collaboration, and education. I think it starts even from when, when you hire somebody. When someone starts at a new company, the first thing they should be doing is sitting with each of the people that they work with to learn about what they do and learn how they're going to work together as a team. Hmm. And I think that first point, that Joel, yeah. that's so good. Learn, learn what people do, yeah. right? Spend the time and actually figure out what are their job, what are they responsible for? What are their deadlines? What are they up against in their daily, you know, routine? And, and, uh, that, that's a, that's a great, great point. Just sit down, have a meeting, take someone to coffee, yeah, crying out loud and, exactly. and just talk about what they do and what their pain points are. That will really help uh, inform that. That's, that's a great one. You know, even if you're not starting out at a new job, you can do this at any time, send a note to your to your neighbor or, you know, talk to them in mm -hmm. real life and say, Hey, mm -hmm. can we book half an hour? I just want to learn more about what you do. And, you know, I'd like to share a little bit of what I do and see if there's ways we can work together on things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think the first step, step is just actually talking to people. If someone's okay, so we're going to, we're going to look at the two sides of this. So someone listening to this lives in the SEO camp, right? So we know that they want to have conversations. They want to talk about the optimization of the content that we do. Are there any tips or uh, any information you, you can share about how the SEO side of the table can say, here's how I can communicate uh, the understanding of the value of the optimization if they have someone that maybe doesn't see that? What are the things they would point to or talk about to, to get that buy-in? So first thing I want to say is I think it goes both ways. 
And I've held, I've, I've held sessions with individuals and groups within my company of editors, account managers, and even senior level execs, where I've been able to share with them what I'm working on, what I've learned from conferences, and new ideas that I'd like to try out, you know, on our, on our own company's site, as well as on client sites. Mm. Are there examples that will resonate with them? I always adapt the conversation for each person. I think of it as showing, not telling. For example, what I'll do is I'll just start Googling and I'll show them online. This is what a rich result looks like. If mm-hmm. we created content in this way, we could actually qualify for this. Wouldn't this be awesome for our client? Mm-hmm. I'll show them brands that have video or Twitter posts appearing in search results. I'll show them options to purchase directly from the knowledge panel. I, I want to get them excited about the possibilities that are available in search that they might not even, you know, they might yeah. see them in their day to day, but they may not put two and two together and say, oh, wait, we should be doing this for our client. But I think it's all about showing it to them like visually because most content people are visual. So you want to sort of speak their language. And I also think it's important to explain things like, for example, how image search is changing and how image tags are extremely important. And if you, you know, if, if you want to show up in multiple ways, you should spend some time and, and work on those. And if you need help figuring out how to do that, I can help you. I also make sure not to get into the nitty gritty geeky stuff because mm. that will lead to a lot of blank stares. And it's also uh, important to understand the trends and what's coming and it, it's just good. It's a good conversation starter. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you cannot like as an SEO, you can also ask, what are your objectives? What are the client's objectives? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can work on a project together where we can impress them with something new and cool and interesting. And, and that always, you know, anytime there's an accounts person in the room, that's where things sort of like, it's like, boom, like everybody yep. lights up on that one. So if, if we have a content oriented person, that by and large, the bulk of their work is probably more centered around, you know, did we get likes? Did we get shares? Did, you know, how did that content perform in that way? How, how would you communicate uh, the why behind the optimization of their work? You know, there's, there, there can be a, a, a thought pattern that would say, well, just create it and, you know, it'll, it'll sort itself out. And yet there's an element where the SEO would go, well, actually we could get more bang for, our buck if we, you know, did these things. You list uh, a few of speed and security and responsiveness and structured data. You know, how else or why should a content-oriented person care about the optimization of their work? Well, I think to put it plainly, you know, if they want to extend reach and get Mm. their content in front of the right audiences, they should care. But it's not that simple, right? I think it's, it's important to understand what the objectives are. It's important to know who the target market is, what problems we're trying to solve, what questions, you know, what questions we're looking to answer. And by sharing that information with both parties, you can come up with some really amazing strategies and 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 get awesome results. That's spot on. That's really good. So 
I have this uh, this kind of final question because I think this resonates with most people, and it, and it kind of goes back to the that signs, the signs of life, the signs that we should be looking for to know that we're moving in the in the right direction. So, I mean, sometimes uh, determining what the right ROI is or should be uh, is difficult in and of itself. But are there any benchmarks that you look for? Uh, to know that when you're creating content and you're putting it out there that you can say, you know, this, this is working and we need to keep doing or lean into it more. So I'm going to split this up uh, with optimization and like optimization versus human side of things. Yes. So on the optimization side, beyond ranking and organic results, what's really important right now is going for those rich results Getting some of those featured snippets, appearing in local map packs are super important. You know, measuring page speed and using something like Crazy Egg to, you know, to see heat maps of, of how people are interacting with sites is also very important. Mm-hmm. And on the human side, first and foremost, if you're going to be human, you want to make sure that your content is readable. That's very. That's a soft metric, but it mm-hmm. it, it it exists. And when you talk about readability, yeah. can we can we pause there for a second? D- define that. What what does that look like? And and when do you know maybe it's not readable? So I would say that if you think back, you know, maybe ten years ago in search, people spoke about keyword density. And, you know, mm. overusing these keywords and to the point where it's not interesting anymore. It's just kind of like you're trying to, to stuff the keywords to, to get it to rank. Mm. You really want your content to be written as if, you know, as if you're writing for the person. You want them to be interested and engaged in what you're talking about. You want to make sure that you have section headers to break up the content so that there's, there's a nice flow and and. Uh, if somebody, let's say, doesn't want to read the full article, they can get to the point where they want to read. There are tools to measure this, but at the end of the day, actually just taking a look at it and reading it is is probably going to be your best bet. And I would say also in terms of other metrics, you know, increased sessions, uh, you know, increased traffic, returning visitors and new visitors. I mean, you obviously, the the returning visitors are great because it's, it's the loyalty and the engagement. Mm-hmm. Whereas the new visitors is that you're actually expanding your reach as well as time spent on site, reduced bounce rate. And there's also a potential for increased engagement on other channels, depending on what the objectives are of a program. As we wrap up uh, this conversation, uh, is there anything that you would want to just leave with someone who's thinking about their content strategy in 2019? They're thinking about what steps they're going to take and how they're going to improve on on what they've already built upon. Is there any advice that you would leave them to say, hey, here's a few things uh, in addition to this that you may want to consider? So I would say is always write for your audience, even if there are search engines checking out your content and, and uh, you know, you're, you're basically relying on algorithms and AI to, to rank your, your content. At the end of the day, the gap between those algorithms and what humans actually want is narrowing. So always be true to your audience, be true to your brand and write for, write for your people, for your audience. Thank you, Joel. This has been a great conversation. Let's do this again real soon. And I really appreciate the time you gave us today. Thank you so much, Joe. 
if someone wanted to get a hold of you, um, reach out to you to talk more about some of these topics, uh, is there a best way to, that you'd uh, want them to reach you? Twitter or, or any? Um, Twitter, LinkedIn. Any? I'm I'm everywhere. Uh, it's Joelle Irvin. Uh, I have the the Twitter tag Joelle Irvin. So Perfect. Yeah, you can reach me there. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. We look forward to um, talking more here again in the future and uh, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Now I have with me in studio, AJ Ogden. AJ is our graphic designer. He is our lead artist on all of our pages, print magazines, and any type of collateral content that you see online comes from his crazy brain. AJ, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for uh, spending some time. We get a lot of people that comment on the quality of the print that we have, not just the the paper size and the texture and those sorts of things, which you had a hand in helping us determine what we wanted to do, uh, but more importantly, the actual graphic design that goes behind it. And so I thought it would be great to sit down and chat with you and just share a little bit of behind the scenes of how we go about actually making this magazine and the effort that we go into producing it from a, a graphic design perspective. So really appreciate taking the time, AJ. I have a couple questions for you. Let's just start off with this one. So there's a lot going on in each issue of pages. It seems like every... Uh, article has its own unique tone and, and personality that comes with it. How do you go about organizing all of that information and then bringing it into a kind of cohesive piece that we see when we go to print? Um, well, luckily, our whole team uses Asana, um, and our managing editor, she keeps things super organized in there, which allows me to go in and work through tasks that way. But um, as speaking to how you say the articles have their own kind of identity, I think the biggest thing of my organization is having built structure and foundation around the items that are consistently in the magazine, like the voices pages, mm -hmm. the games page, letters to the editor, things like that. And having all of us really um, internalize the pages branding and identity and then having that foundation and structure there that allows me to have kind of a parallel organization with the articles but since we have that that structure there the articles themselves can be a little more loose and lets me be more creative because i can build off of those pillars that the magazine has itself yeah and then that lets me be a little looser and go in the weeds with the design for each article being its own entity. So our process uh, currently is that when we get a submission, an article submission from someone that is writing in an issue, that goes to our managing editor, Sloan, mm -hmm. and she reviews it, gets the content in a place that is ready for you to then to take and actually make something of that. I want to talk a little bit about that process. So when you get an article that you've never seen before, you know, you're not an expert in the SEO industry per se, you're a graphic designer. So you have to take these ideas and actually put images to them to make them stand out and speak to readers in, in a different way. When you see an article for the first time, how do you, what's your process? How do you go about making that thing that we see in the final print? Reading the article is definitely step one. <laughs> and <laughs> 
getting time to do that is nice. Um, but yeah, like you say, I'm not classically trained in SEO, um, but Sloan is, and the team is very knowledgeable on it. And so the fun part for me is it being a magazine, I kind of almost feel like I'm a target reader mm-hmm. of the magazine where you want to have, you want to pick it up and enjoy reading through it as a magazine. If you're not that knowledgeable of SEO or not, you are, but not super technical or yeah. in depth, but okay. What's going to motivate me to keep turning the pages and you want to be drawn in with the visuals and then you'll learn things. So that's kind of how I go about the process is reading through the content and then letting, if there's any dots to connect or visual themes that come up, I try to get those down in notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times it's just jumping in and plugging the content in and that'll let ideas flow or I read it a handful of times and sit on it um, and ideas will come that way. But definitely just kind of thinking of it from a, a reader's perspective mm-hmm. of why, and not just for this magazine, but any magazine, why would you keep turning the pages? Hmm is kind of the mindset I try to keep in mind during my process of designing it. For someone who does graphic design, maybe for their website or for their branding, for their their company they work with, is there something to be said about, and I don't know if this is true or not, so this may be a, a short answer, but is there something to be said about the difference between an idea influencing the design versus the design influencing an idea? I think it's dependent on on where my mind is, actually, because you can get the articles that immediately give you something to go off of or ones that are not, not so much. You can ask for ideas, and that can spark designs. Um, but if you, have a, if you see a design that you're really excited about that doesn't even necessarily have to be anywhere near the topic but it 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 kind of excites you to at least start going through the motions of the design process i think that has helped a lot of the freedom in the articles um because i can pull from all sorts of industries or interests that have fascinated me which Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily seo because seo is a really big concept but not the most visually exciting. It's Mm -hmm. very functional. It has its function purpose, but to animate it or bring it to life, you, you get to look around and at a bunch of other things because SEO can touch every industry can affect all sorts of things that we do day to day from hobbies to jobs to life, whatever you may have. So looking externally, and influences and pulling those in to start the process and getting ideas of design as simple as just sketching them in a sketchbook and then going from there. I think that's a really good way to do it. I find that um, if you have subscribed to pages for the entirety of, of 2018, our covers had a very similar direction. Mm-hmm. It was it was image with text-based um, context placed on top of the image, right? That, yeah. that 
was about the subject matter that we were covering in the magazine. Right. We went in a different direction in 2019. Instead of taking an issue and making it about one subject, we're now covering multiple subjects. One of the uh, some of the feedback that we got from our audience was that this these topics are great, but if we're not interested in these topics, the magazine isn't helpful. F- to us in that issue and kind of a way. So we're, we're trying to broaden our topic. So you'll see, uh, for those of you that ha- are receiving Q1 in your mailbox, uh, he, if not already, real soon, you'll notice that the design is very different. It's not an image with text or graphics placed on top of it to bring it context. We actually had to go in a different direction where we really did lean on the idea of the, the product influencing the cover. So we, we uh, borrowed from uh, a great graphic design company, uh, the game Mon- Monument Valley, mm-hmm. right? Because it led to this idea of growth and progression and stairs. And then you utilize that within many of the kind of the filler pieces within, within the content. Tell me about that process of transitioning from a, uh, um, a cover that may be more central to an idea to something that now we're, we're left with, well, there is no central idea because we're covering multiple topics. How, how has that been challenging to you in, in designing maybe this Q1 issue? Yeah, I think this last issue was really interesting to get to a cover in that way because, the like you said before, it wasn't themed like the previous issues, mm-hmm. um, but we were still able to find a theme and you mentioned stairs and that came from the idea of SEOs being very important to a company, but the tension between maybe the SEO department trying to communicate upstream to the executive level or to the marketing department or all these other moving parts in a company that they are connected to, but may not necessarily be involved with. So that idea of, upward importance of SEO and moving that upstream in the company that became its own theme, even though the rest of the articles, you know, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a broad spectrum, Mm -hmm. but within it, you, you could take any of those articles and say, okay, this has its value because of this. And you could take it to any person within the company and it would be relatable. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting how, even though we didn't theme it, you can still find a broader theme or more abstract theme that makes sense. It doesn't have to be so rigid of this is ROI. Yeah. And everyone's like, or <laughs> everyone's into ROI, but yeah, the other yeah. issues, it's like, oh, that's, that's not my issue. So I'll wait till next quarter. Right, and right. it's kind of the crapshoot of, well, is it going to be my issue next yeah. quarter? But yeah, with it being more broad now, we can, we can ourselves find more consistent themes, but in a different way. Yeah. It's been fun. Let's switch, uh, switch this up a little bit and talk a little bit about what type of things influence your design. Yeah. So like I said before, SEO being very technical and functionally driven, but not visually exciting, look elsewhere to things that are. And for me growing up, that was skateboarding, snowboarding and surfing culture which also i grew up reading their magazines Mm -hmm. and all of that and those industries have always had to pair imagery with copy 
in an interesting and exciting way. I mean, you can you can read an article on someone's trip to Japan to ride powder or whatever, mm-hmm. but you want to you want to see the trees, you want to see what they're riding. And so I think that influence in my design has helped me and translates well to this because a lot of SEO content is very text heavy, but you don't necessarily get any visuals with it. Mm-hmm. And so with this, we can, we can illustrate concepts, ideas, all of that, but then also pair it with beautiful imagery that could be closely related or just is serving the purpose of, Hey, we're, we kind of need to fill the space. Mm-hmm. Let's relate it in a way that, is a loose connection, but yeah. also is serving its purpose as an image. And then you have all these, this spectrum of hierarchy that you're developing for these pieces to go with this content. And then hopefully that livens up the copy. And that's, I guess that's the, the influence and in how I go about things is pulling from those. Do you take, so those are magazines typically that you would get that. Are there um, uh, websites or any like TV shows or commercials that you would say, you know, that would, that kind of stuff really gets my mind? Yeah. I mean, I've been, it's funny watching movies and TV shows lately. I am ADD about the episode, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's attention span is so short, but I will nerd out on the titling, the motion mm. sequences, the credits, that stuff. I'll, we went to Aquaman the other night and I, I just watched the whole credits all the way through because mm. the typefaces on them, the mm. animation in and out and things like that and how that's paired with, um, the graphics throughout things, um, has definitely fascinated me mm-hmm. and influences me a lot. Nice. Okay. So if someone wanted to follow you, uh, see your work, you, everybody knows, obviously this is, uh, pages magazine is all you, all your design. Uh, Also, uh, the agency SEO agency page one power is all your design. Uh, all the work that you do there, uh, is there another space? I know you have a website. Do you want to share with people to find more about the work that you do? Um, yeah, I have a, personal website that I'm not the best at updating, but has some (laughs) of my design work and things over the years, but that is juice machine design.com. And yeah, juice machine comes from a nickname I got (laughs) juice man. So that's where that comes from. So it's not completely random. Although I do like juice. Yeah. All right. uh, (laughs) All right. So they can get, uh, they can see your stuff on that website. If someone wanted to get into contact with you, would you be open to having conversations about design with somebody? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm probably more on my Instagram for design at juice machine design. Juice Uh, machine design. Yeah. That's where they'll find your handle. You can DM me there. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then anyone at Pages or Page One could easily put you in contact with me. I'm okay. super open to talking design with anyone that wants to. Awesome. And hopefully, probably learning something from them, <laughs> from, from them talking to me about what they like or what they want. So. Okay. AJ, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're really busy, so I'll let you get back to it. Thank you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, thanks. for having me. Yep, thanks.
Thanks so much for listening. That about does it. If you could, we'd love for the feedback. Go to iTunes, podcast, subscribe there. You can get a link if you go to pagesseomagazine.com. Click on podcast. We'll have a direct link there. Or you can search it in any of the feeds that you get podcasts. You can find us between the pages. Check us out. Rate us. Review us. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you'd like to hear. We want the feedback. We're so thankful you listened to us. Have a great week. And until next time, take care.